Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith, yet again, our lecturer in philosophy, and today our topic is going to be political wisdom. And I know that may sound uh, like an oxymoron, but... uh, uh, it is not. <laughs> and uh, right. however, you know, it, it does point, you know, the idea of political wisdom uh, uh, can make us laugh right now because we are, you know, we're 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 in a, a bit of a crisis and there's many on many different fronts, politically speaking, um, not just here in the States, but around the world. Um, and so there's perennial problems, uh, problems that uh, have have remained with us. Uh, and the uh, the ancients and the classics, they've had a lot to say about uh, politics uh, for good reason, because it's part of man's uh, nature. It has to do with his nature. Sure. And so, uh, Dr. Smith, why don't you get us started today? And, you know, uh, what we really want to do is look at, you know, what is classical philosophy, classical political philosophy uh, have to offer us with regards to maybe our current situation? Thanks, Jason. I think it, uh, what it has to offer us is some clarity. Yeah. Um, I think everybody, uh, one, I, uh, I see this, you know, both, of course, in my own peers and, and friends and colleagues, just a sort of mass confusion yeah. uh, and inability to think clearly about political matters. Um, so uh, I think classical political, political philosophy offers us some principles, some kind of kind of rules of thumb, some axioms that will help us to think more clearly about these matters. Um, and um, I think that's going to be really useful to us because political life uh, is important. Mm-hmm. As you talked about, it touches on uh, uh, we're right now we're in sort of a crisis state, but it's always been the case that we've wanted uh, human beings, philosophers have wanted to comment on uh, politics uh, and political life because it's so uh, important. Um, first thing is to get clear just about what political philosophy is. Yeah. Um, Political philosophy is not a program. So what I mean by that is if what you're looking for is a specific political program for your day and time, right, Mm -hmm. that that like a detailed plan where we want to have these three policies enacted and these five policies rejected and that sort of thing. That's not what classical political philosophy intends to provide. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, now, you might say, oh, well, it's not very useful. Uh, <laughs> to the contrary, right? I think actually um, uh, it's useful because it is fil- properly philosophical. Mm-hmm. Right? That is, classical political philosophy looks to the first principles and ultimate explanations of politics, of political community, right? So it looks at what's most foundational and sort of at the broadest explanations of and causes of political community. Yeah, and I think a lot of times when people are speaking about politics or, or political positions and things like that, they want to quickly get to the the, the, the practical side of it. What is you know well right. what is that what is that going to mean for this person? You know, even like political candidates, they'll sure. say, "Well, I just met Joe in Cincinnati, and Joe was a factory worker." I mean, they they right. immediately go to the go to the the concrete. Um, and they kind of skip over like, okay, well, what are the, the foundational principles that your mm-hmm. practicalities are based upon? We, the, a lot right. of times those are not clear or, or those are not, uh, um, at least, uh, 
made clear. Maybe they're clear in your head, but they're not sure. expressed clear. Uh, and I think that's one of the, the, the biggest things is, you know, because a lot of times we agree on, you know, the practicalities of, you know, well, this is a problem and we should try to solve it. But again, right, right. what are we going to base it on? What are we going to base our decisions right. yeah, on yeah. and our thinking? How are we going to process our thinking uh, with mm-hmm. regards uh, to this or that? Which, so, I mean, I, I, I like that. I like that you said, you know, like it's, it's general, you know, in, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in its approach, um, which is again, something that we should, you know, keep in mind that it's, sure. that it, that's a good thing. You know, that's a good that thing is, that it's general. It actually makes it more flexible, right? Yeah. Like, a practical political program for fifth century China or 16th century France <laughs> wouldn't isn't you know, like wouldn't probably make a, a for the most part or in large degree wouldn't make a lot of sense for 21st century America. Right. Does, does that make sense? You yeah. know, like there might be some elements that carry over, but there'd be a lot of elements that are specific to those concrete historical circumstances. Yep. So what classical political philosophy does, it provides you with a framework for thinking intelligently about politics, right? Um, Again, I don't understand now, what you're saying. Thinking intelligently <laughs> about politics. I don't... Not just shouting, right? <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, not mere demagoguery. Right, now, right. I'll say, and, and maybe as we go forward here, uh, I think we're going to at least do two podcasts here on political philosophy. As we go forward, I will say, I think there are concrete, practical deductions you can make. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But, but when you're doing that, see, you're being rational. You're deducing conclusions about particular political situations from universal principles, right? From universal truths. That's being, that is that's what's called being a man of prudence, right? <laughs> a man of yeah. wisdom, uh, uh, being politically thoughtful, right? Uh, and Lord knows we need that. So um, I think it, it, it's, you. It, it, oddly enough, because it's so general, right? yeah. political philosophy is more useful for that reason. Um, in addition to that, uh, I want to say that it's, uh, useful to recognize that political philosophy belongs to what St. Thomas calls moral philosophy. Mm. Uh, now that's actually important in a couple of ways. So St. Thomas in his commentary on the Nicomachean ethics talks about three branches of ethics. Uh, there's what you could call uh, standard ethics, um, or just, you know, oh, sorry, three branches of moral philosophy. Let me rephrase yep. within moral philosophy. There are three branches, and that is uh, ethics or stand, like kind of your regular ethics. Mm-hmm. He calls economics, and then third, political philosophy. Now, that's probably a little strange, Dyer's. Uh, ethics would be sort of like, you know, if you take a standard ethics class at a Catholic college, you know, virtue ethics, you're going to study virtue ethics, you're going to look at consequentialism, deontology, those sorts of things. Your basic, what is, how should man behave? Right. Economics. Interestingly enough, and we could maybe work on this, uh, talk about this at some point, um, is uh, family ethics. Uh, it's about how uh, a family ought to behave and be arranged and and so forth, right? That says all that, you know, like the fact that that sounds so foreign to us, yeah, right? um, <laughs> says how far we've fallen. Okay, is yep. <laughs> an indication of how far we've fallen. And then third is political philosophy. So political philosophy, of course. If you think about it as moral, right, mm-hmm. that means that, that well, for one thing, St. Thomas conceptualizes the study and understanding of political of politics as a moral task, right? Yeah. That is, it's not amoral. So we're not talking about political science, okay, right, right. as it's talked about today. 
political science today is supposed to be a kind of kind of like a, a version of sociology, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of statistical uh, tools to sort of measure politics, political attitudes, those sorts of things. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's and a works- clear distinction there. Yeah. Yeah, whereas whereas political philosophy is normative, right? right? It's laying down this is what should be the case, yeah. right? And of course, it also de- deals with what is, but at a level that's deeper than quantity, right? Mm-hmm. All of these merely kind of modern scientific social sciences, right? Um, I mean, the, I think that they're they're actually quite interesting and useful, yeah. but they only go to the level of quantity. Right. right, they can't. They don't get to essences. They don't get to forms. They don't get to natural ends. They can kind of help us know a little bit about that, but they don't really sort of create wisdom. Then, right, right, about right, right. Yeah, they show uh, us how far away we've gone. <laughs> that's right, right, yeah. Statistically, uh, we can put a number on it. <laughs> right. Yeah. One last thing that's important about uh, sort of just think about po- political philosophy as moral philosophy is that it means that this is a matter of human action. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about studying rivers or rocks or geological patterns or something like that, right? This is not something that's just there. It's about something that we do, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And so um, that's important, right? Because it means that all of those things that are applicable to human action are applicable to the study of politics. Right. Things about psychology and things about morals. Uh, Both of those are are, uh, applicable. Um, It means that, that, that studying political matters it's uh, especially important to think about the end or the goal, right? right? Because of uh, the way in which all you know, the end or the goal governs human action, right? Right. right, right. So this isn't yeah, this isn't just something that's ready-made sitting out there. It's about something that we do, and so we have to think about it in terms of as a form of uh, human action. So that I think helps us a little bit. Um, to sort of position political uh, philosophy, right? It's it's moral. Uh, it's not amoral like political science. It's normative, mm-hmm. right? And it concerns human action. Yeah, and I like that you. Yeah, that I think clarifying that moral character of it is is important because um, it's you know it's it's part of our it's part of our nature that we are you mm-hmm. know these naturally uh, political beings that we. Uh, organize ourselves, our families, uh, uh, in a particular way, um, towards a particular end, you know, and because of that, yeah, politics takes on this, this moral character, which, uh, you know, you know, so, I mean, I think that's important, you know, for not just remembering that, you know, yeah, there's moral quality to it, but, you know, that as, as tired as we get of politics, it's important for us to, to stay somewhat engaged in it. Um, sure. You know, as as much as sometimes we just want to punt our TV out the window, um, sure. Which I tried once, but it was just way too heavy. But <laughs> hurt your foot. That's right. It's just yeah. I mean, it could just be painful, but it's important to remember. Like it's, you know, um, because it takes on that moral, uh, qual- it has that moral quality. We need to, uh, uh, we need to stay engaged in it and and care about you know uh, how it is that w- that we uh, uh, interact with it, how it is we participate in the ordering. Sure. Um, mm-hmm of our uh of our societies you know and theologically you know uh we you know many of the popes you know they say very clearly that this is the responsibility of of the lay people um mm-hmm. you know that it's not the the responsibility of priests uh to organize the 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 secular order in this way but that right. 
right. lay people are at the, the front line. This is one of our main duties as Christians is to help mm-hmm. organize the secular order uh, and aim it towards uh, God, not in a theocratic right. way, but, you know, in a way that um, uh, is morally upright. And um, yeah, so um, so what are some of the, the, the principles then the of uh, okay. political philosophy? So when I, when I, when I, one of the things is, uh, one of the things I love about classical philosophy in general, right, is it just, uh, it's, it's so organized, yeah. right? And so, um, uh, with its different branches and, and almost with all of the branches I can think of, you know, there are usually like a collection of three or four theses yeah, yeah. that are, are like sort of central, right. To understanding the matter. And so, um, uh, when it comes to political philosophy, the three theses that I think are really useful for getting off the ground are one is that man is naturally political, uh, two, that the political community is perfect and three, that the common good is to be loved more than the individual good. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot. I don't know if we'll get to all of that today. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But, uh, let's just start with, uh, you've already mentioned this a couple of times and it sounds kind of pedestrian at first, but it's actually very important. Yeah. And that is the claim that man is naturally political, mm-hmm. right? Now, to get, kind of get a hold of why this is recognized, this is important is the almost the entire modern political tradition rejects this thesis. So, if you wanted to, to look at, yeah, uh, right now I'm, I'm working on some research in a book on modern political ideas, and if you wanted to to think about, well, what's a clear cut right between classical political thought and modern one? There's a couple of things you could say, but mm-hmm. one for sure is that is the rejection of the idea that man is naturally political. Really? Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like you find this in the, uh, in, in, in really all of the, uh, modern philosophers, they put it in different ways and the sort of Anglo American context. Um, you know, you can see this most clearly in contract theory, right? Mm-hmm. So the modern political philosophers tend to think, Oh man, in a state of nature, right. They use that state of nature language is an individual. Yeah. Right. Then he he comes to be through agreements, right? Mm-hmm. Explicitly and rationally entered into a pol- uh, the political state, right, right? right? So you transfer from the state of nature to the state of politics, right? So man invents political life, right, in the modern order, right? Um, we could say a lot more about that, but uh, I think that's one of the central errors of modern thought modern political life right that we've mm-hmm. really labored under since i don't know 17th century maybe a little earlier than that um so we're a long ways down the road here unfortunately um now of course agreements have something to do with some political regimes sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no problem with that this yeah. is a more fundamental issue right is politics a human invention mm-hmm. and saint thomas and uh, aristotle would say very clearly no it is not a human invention right particular arrangements particular customs particular uh laws right particular regimes yeah. have a lot to do with human prudence human uh preferences uh historical circumstances those sorts of things right you don't expect uh 5th century china and 21st century america politics to look the same it would be crazy to think that they're exactly the same yeah, right yeah, because yeah. they operate in radically different circumstances just think about the technology i mean just so <laughs> radically different right yeah um so the uh um 
those parts are are, are due to human invention, due yeah. to culture and things like that. Um, but the underlying reality, right, that is that we are political is part of our nature, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so does that i mean what do you think about that jason i mean that's a it's a pretty it's a, do you see that as a pretty stark contrast yeah yeah it's one? a it's a it, i think it's one that that i think a lot of people can easily gloss over like mm-hmm. oh so it doesn't it's not necessarily situated in the nature it's just it's an extension of man or it's something that man's created well that's close enough so i mean it's not that big of a deal but <laughs> right, right. but no it is you know and that, and that's one of the things like you know if, if it and especially to use you know the language of today you know if it is just a political construct or something or if it's just a, a social construct or something that we in, invent or something that we move from right. our nature to this right. to this new kind of organization or way of life right right, right. that's wholly different than something that is that is part of our nature something that we are we are naturally uh inclined to do um yeah and and, i mean this i don't i don't know if there's a clear connection but i mean like even when we talked about last time like the the um kind of the the efficient cause or like the beginning point of something is very important Mm -hmm. uh you know so 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 to, to so to begin talking politically um, and situating politics and political life uh, in just something as, you know, well, it's just something that man kind of uh, creates or invents. Yeah, sure. that's that 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 should be a, a fundamental problem from the beginning. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a huge I mean, I think it, it, once you start thinking through it, it, it really um, uh, I think restores political sanity i was gonna say it's revolutionary but i don't want to say that <laughs> actually it's the opposite of revolutionary bernie sanders uh, would like that language but <laughs> but it's also but it's also like you know so if if something is naturally situated within or if something is situated within the nature of man then that's right uh and correct me if i'm wrong here its purpose is, is essentially or is is already there and it's right. not up for us to um uh, uh, to determine the 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 end or the 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 goal of which w- what we're trying to do, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If it is something yeah, so. that if it is something that we just create, then well, we determine uh, um, what the end of uh, politics is. Uh, which right. I mean, if we live in a society that just bases everything then on their feelings, well, the one with right. the strongest feelings who yells the loudest determines right. the end of the political life, which is. One of the most frightening things I can think about. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely, Jason. That's a great analysis. Um, because, so once you recognize that political life is part of nature, yeah. right, um, part of human nature, then it has a natural end. Yeah. And we're not free to ignore that natural end. In fact, ignoring that natural end is neither right nor healthy, right? Uh, you know, it, 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 it's both wrong, uh, which mean, because it means we're violating the natural law, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, the natural law is rooted in natural ends, right? So right. If, if, if politics has a natural end and we ignore that natural end, right. which we do, yeah. right? Especially in the modern period, um, then we are in violation of the natural law, right? So that's, it's, it's morally wrong. In addition to that, it means that that we're depriving ourselves of the natural good that political life offers to us, right? So, you know, like in one ways, in one way, I want to say that that 
pre like classical politics is real politics, right? Um, uh, uh, by that I don't mean like realism in international politics, but I mean uh, it's it's it is the reality of a political community. We've deprived ourselves, I'd say, since the beginning of the modern period, of real political community. Mm. Now, because nature's strong, we get to experience it. Nature reasserts itself. It sort of pops up, right? And and so I think we do have a, a sort of participation in political community that's that is a, a genuine one, but that's despite modern modernity, not right, because right, right. of modernity, right? Um, so uh, it's kind of like you know, even you know, even a you know, say a naive communist living in, in the Soviet Union, right? You know, probably because Nature Strong was able to develop some virtuous friendships. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, by naive, I just means, you know, that doesn't have any other alternatives, just, you know, kind of going along with the regime, you know, and trying to live his life, you know, uh, Comrade Ivan. Um, <laughs> you know, he's just trying to get along, you know, and, and live a life. He's probably developed some virtues despite living in the Soviet Union. Right, right, right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And, and again, many of the, to uh, what we want to look at, you know, it, with regards to this is, you know, human flourishing. What will help sure. the human person flourish? Um, right. and, and not, you know, and not just as individuals, but human, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, families um, and the sure. society as a whole. Uh, what will help? what will help them flourish. So what was the, what would you say then is the, um, the natural end of politics? How would we maybe, uh, describe this or, or give it a clear definition? So one way to to approach that question is, is to, to, to ask ourselves, why do we have this natural inclination? Yeah. Right. So that we have a natural inclination to, to form political communities is verified by historical observation, right? Mm -hmm. We just, Wherever there's human beings, we start to, to develop political communities. Right. Uh, maybe poorly, <laughs> maybe well. Right? Yeah. Um, but um, but we do politics. Human beings do that. Right. That's what we create. Even when you start thinking about like um, you know your famous desert island kind of situations, like examples, sure. or kind of just almost kind of mental exercises, you know. Uh, you start thinking about, well, how are we going to organize ourselves? You know, so yeah, I always, yeah. this is one of the things that I really like about apocalyptic shows or disaster <laughs> shows where you have a, a group of survivors, right? And then they have to start at some point. Organization has to happen. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Lord, and... of the, Lord of the Flies is a great example, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Whoever has the conch can speak, you know, like, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So you see, though, like uh, uh, you see there, like they start off as like good little classical liberals, everybody having, you know, everybody's an individual, but everybody has a fair shake and everybody gets to participate. And they're all equal, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then and then, you know, over time that breaks down. Right. And they go to kind of like a tribal chiefdom, you know. Um, but um, uh, but anyway, so. You know, that's just another example, right, of the way in which it's just true, right? Yeah. By two observations, evident observation that uh, uh, human beings are political. So then we ask ourselves if we want to, if we want to try to become wise, mm-hmm. right, about this. Well, what are the ultimate causes of that, right? Yeah. Why is it the case what that human beings are naturally inclined to engage in political life and uh, create pol- politics or develop it? Um, so the uh, the answer to that, right, we're really ultimately going to be looking at the final cause right here. So the final cause of the four causes, St. Thomas is clear on this, is the ultimate cause, right? It's the cause of all causes, right? It's what accounts for efficient causes. 
So a political scientist could come in and tell us a lot about how human communities have developed at different times under different circumstances. Mm -hmm. And that would all be interesting and useful information, but it still wouldn't get us to uh, a full understanding, right? What we really right. want is an, under is an understanding of why we do this that points to the final cause. What's the right. good of it? Why is it desirable for us to do so? Now, this connects back to what I was saying earlier, that, that, more, that political philosophy is about human action. Right. Human right. actions governed by some con conception of something as desirable or not, right? Yeah. So we're inclined to this kind of thing because we, we're inclined to see it as desirable in some way or the other. Right. Does that right, make right. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, this probably comes out uh, most easily, the answer to this is, comes out most easily when you think about it in terms of the thesis that the political community is the perfect community. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, what that me does not mean, right, <laughs> is the political community is pristine, yeah. or that government is, uh, or that a particular government is particularly good, right, or uh, that sort of thing. It doesn't mean any of that at all. What St. Thomas means simply is the, is the complete community, and he means that complete with respect to a given end, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. namely acquired active happiness, right? <laughs> So a kind of happiness actually yeah. is the goal of a political community. I was thinking, you know, like, so if I, if you're going to run, if you're thinking for some reason, Jason, of running for office, you know, nope. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'll I'll do uh, I'll run for fun before I run for office. <laughs> then maybe you could say you could make your your uh, your your campaign motto happiness. Happiness, acquired <laughs> act of happiness for you. <laughs> That's right. Um, so political community is sufficient. It's complete for that kind of happiness, that kind of goal. Mm -hmm. um, now, what do I mean by active happiness? I don't mean smiley faces um, uh, or just sort of some sort of pure sentimentalism, of course. Um, political community is sufficient for um, the kind of human flourishing, right? So it's a kind of actualization. Mm -hmm. Um that consist in external operations um, about external goods, right? Okay. So you think about what are we talking about here? We're talking about um, things like clothes, food, housing, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of basic mm -hmm. things like that, okay? Yeah. Um, we're also they're talking about um, external goods like uh, marriage, mm -hmm. offspring, children, Right. Uh, so bodily goods, temporal goods. Right. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Thomas tends to think about it. Um, and when you start to sort of think about it, it's like that's actually a lot of life. Right. Yeah. I mean, even just a lot of life is is organized around food, as weird as it sounds. Right. You know, we're we're moved from the kind of agricultural setting in which, you know, a lot of human beings through historic historically have developed. But even still in our modern lives. Right. I mean, the acquiring money in order to acquire food and then preparing food and consuming food. And, and you know, you think about all the rituals that can kind of sometimes go around yeah, that, yeah, yeah. which are like Thanksgiving and so forth. Like those are, um, uh, food like that as an external good occupies a lot of our lives. That should be surprising. We are animals. We're rational animals, but we're still animals. Right. Yeah. Um, so a lot of our lives are, are, are really revolved around that, um, clothing, shelter, uh, et cetera. And then of course, you know, it's also family, right? So family, you know, some people don't maybe think that that's too low of a view. I, I think St. Thomas and, and classical authors have a very high view of family. Yeah. It's also a realistic one, 
right? If you didn't have bodies, you wouldn't have families, folks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to put that in. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Families, right, are uh, uh, have to do with bodies and sex and procreation of children. Um, and so those are external goods, right? Mm-hmm. They're temporal goods. Uh, they're real goods, and they can be elevated through grace and the sacraments to a kind of a, a participation in a higher kind of life, supernatural kind of uh, goodness. But at their root, they're rooted in our bodies. They're rooted in in, in nature, um, uh, and and they're temporal, right? I mean, we we know that marriage is even the best marriage. Jason, let me ask you this: even the best marriage doesn't do, does it ever end? Does it ever end? Yeah, yeah. When death. That's right. Until death do us part, right? Like yeah. it's done then. Right? It's over, right? Um, so um, it's a temporal good. Now, God willing, all uh, you know, uh, you'll see your spouse again in heaven, right? Um, but but you know, there your friendship is going to have a different character than it does in um, in this life, right? So, anyways, um, to to deal with external goods well, right, or, or virtuously, that's active acquired happiness, right? Right. Virtuously, the virtuous development, pursuit, and exchange of external goods. Yeah. And again, these are all going to be, uh, when you're talking about the governance of these things, this is where uh, virtue comes into place. Prudently uh, uh, dealing with these goods justly. Um, This is where, you know, and again, a society lacking, you know, certain virtues, um, that's going to be a huge problem where we can say, well, we need, you know, in the, so they'll begin with like, you know, a good principle. Well, we need to, you know, um, uh, share the goods that we have or something like that, which sounds, sounds fine and stuff, but then they do it unjustly or something like that. That's where you can get into a problem. So when we're talking about this, this, uh, like you said, when we're talking about this political community, it, it takes on this moral character, it has this moral. Right. Uh, uh, it, it deals particularly with morality, and so the virtues have to be there, and not you sure. know, not just values, but you know, because right. right. many right. times right. that gets yeah. that gets thrown around. Well, you know, yeah. um, the American values or something like that. Well, no, okay, that's that's fine. Let's let's go back to the virtues. Uh, those are going <laughs> to yeah. be yeah. those are going to be what 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 will guide uh, the ordering and the governance, uh, so that we can have this uh, acquired act of happiness. Um, That's right. So when you're thinking about this, right, uh, it's key, <clears throat> key to have clear here, right, that it's the the virtuous use of those things. Yeah. Now, there are, of course, goods that go beyond that. I would say the the goods of, uh, of contemplation, right? Yeah. So even at a natural level, so the philosophical good of contemplation, uh, but also uh, the, um, the, then surely the supernatural good, right, of, uh, eternal beatitude. So political community doesn't cover the whole flourishing of man, right? But it covers a, a real kind of flourishing. And it is a kind of flourishing that's about external goods. So it's about, you know, meat and potatoes, you know, just physical bodily things. Yeah. But pursued virtuously. The the relevant virtues here are prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, now some of those are a little more little more important than others within political community, right? St. Thomas really emphasizes justice and peace as being the, the, the primary things you're trying to secure there, right. but not, I said primary, not exclusive. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so these other things are, uh, are in fact, uh, relevant. So, um, 
when we think about political community, we really should then think, oh, wow, political community is important. You know, why is it important? I'm naturally inclined to it <clears throat> because it helps me to flourish in a specific way. Yeah. It helps me to be actualized in a specific way. Uh, it helps me to, it doesn't give me every good, right? right. But it gives me a real and important good um, that is part of my development, part of my flourishing, part of uh, being an excellent um, uh, human being. So I think recognizing uh, a, an important sort of takeaway here is the importance of political community. And I think this ties in, interestingly, to an anthropological point. That is, we have a tendency as Americans, um, and let me just say, I, 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 you know, I, I love our country. I'm a patriotic American, but like every every country, we've got our strengths and our weaknesses. And one of our weaknesses is that um, is a, an excessive attachment to individualism, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what we need to recognize, and what I think St. Thomas helps us to recognize, is that part of our happiness. A major part of our happiness is a, is is something that we acquire with others and that we enjoy with others, right? So that uh, we need to revise then thinking about happiness. Acquired active happiness is something we acquire in community, right? Yeah. In community, in the political community, so that I actually my flourishing and the flourishing of the community are closely tied together, right? Um, it's not just something that I can individually enjoy. I have to enjoy it with my fellow citizens. What do you think about that, Jason? Yeah, well, and I think this goes back to the point where you were talking about, and, and I think it's a great way to look at it, is the the externals. That, that the mm -hmm. political community deals with those external things that creates the, the environment for mm -hmm. you to flourish. Now, it right. also creates the environment for you to fail or for you to sure. act badly. Um mm -hmm. Uh, uh, which is which is fine because again that's that's part of uh, that's part of liberty, but it's also to 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 uh, create that environment that that serves everybody. So if I'm a um, uh, say one of my say I'm a, my job is a welder and you're a, um, or or you're a blacksmith and I'm a candle maker or something like that. You know, you yeah. want you want a uh, um, a political organization or a political community that that allows uh, both of us to to flourish in our mm -hmm. differences, sure, as opposed sure. of trying to as opposed to trying to say no, y'all are the same, y'all are you know to treat right, everything right. Uh, uh, <laughs> as as I don't want to say equal, but to treat everything the same. Um, right. Whereas you want to be general enough to where that no matter what somebody is doing. Uh, they're able to respond in in virtue and and flourish uh, in whatever um, the shape their fam where, wherever they lie in their family. You know, if you're a father, sure. what does it mean to flourish as a father? Whether you're a son, right. a child, something like that, or you're you're this job or that job, you want it to be general enough to where everybody has the ability to to flourish. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think I'm way off base saying that. Um, no, no. In fact, I think the. One of the things you're pointing to there, because uh, you could say, okay, well, maybe I accept this, but yeah, like, how do I know that political community is complete for active happiness, right? Yeah. Like, what, yeah, what is it that the political community has that the individual or even the family lacks, right? Um, the family isn't, the family is sufficient to certain goods. It's not sufficient, right, to uh, every good um, right. that we need uh, for human flourishing. 
And so, uh, and I think you know, that's something that uh, conservative or traditional Catholics maybe need to kind of think about a little bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I think we have a tendency to to sort of think of our families as as sufficient unto themselves, right? And, uh, you know, I think that they're very, very, very important, <laughs> let me say clearly. But at the same time, um, we have to recognize that they're not sufficient unto themselves. So what is it that the political community supplies, right? Yeah. You think of a political community as, um, you know, it's a regionally bound uh, collection of families and villages, it's lo- more, you know, local communities um, brought together under law, right? under um, an authority that is uh, has authority over temporal matters, right? right. Um, so what does that supply for us? For one, it supplies a division of labor, like you're talking about, right? We have a general goal, but then there's many different ways of participating in that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even just at an economic level, right, you think about, um, uh, you know, uh, you were talking about being blacksmith or a candle maker. You, you also need, you know, lots of farmers, right, uh, to produce food, that sort of thing, right? Um, so, um, uh, in a way, what political community provides is just a atmosphere and environment in which the division of labor, uh, specialization of labor, uh, and trade can occur. Now, our libertarian friends will say, "Well, that's all spontaneously grows up, you know, through individuals," and you know, at a, uh, I mean, just not really. Like yeah. historically, it just doesn't work that way, right? Historically, people pretty quickly come into come into Formed communities, towns, etc. You know, and and at some point, there's standards of weights and measures, and some of that does just emerge kind of from custom, but there's uh, almost always some uh, political involvement in that as well, even if it's just rudimentary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at some point, you need protection from fraud, things like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's where political community has uh, something to say there. You need to have well-maintained roads. You need to have security of inventory, all those sorts of things, right? Uh, in addition to that, uh, I think you also need to recognize that political community helps to cha- uh, pass on uh, culture, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you know, we don't want to think of government, you know, like, like there's a government artist or something like that necessarily. Although there have been such things, right? Yeah, that propagandist, is right? <laughs> that, that's true. But on the other hand, I mean, like you think about princes and kings have often employed artists, right? Uh, to do great works um, yeah. uh, of art. Um, but, you know, more broadly, political community has the stability to mm-hmm. last and to pass on great culture, right? So you think yeah. about... You know, there's plenty, plenty to criticize about ancient Rome, but there's also plenty to kind of admire, kind of like with a healthy dose of criticism, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots of criticism, but still admire like the degree to which they were able to preserve and develop so many great cultural achievements. Yes. Right? Um, that's that that that's admirable, right? Yeah. Uh, in a way, uh, still recognizing their deficiencies without that political stability, right? It's hard to imagine that you would have had such a long-term cultural flourishing. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then one last thing we talk about is protection and justice, right? That is, political community has the wherewithal not only to to create a flourishing and uh, economic environment, a cultural environment, but also to provide a system of justice, uh, which is important, and to provide a, a robust defense against you know enemies foreign and domestic. Mm-hmm. So uh, we think about it. You know, there's lots of ways in which political community contributes, complements, and makes possible the flourishing that we call acquired active happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you think about 
the perfection, the completeness of the political community, two things ought to come to your mind clearly. Um, one, the importance of political community, right? Political community is very important. And two, that, um, that our happiness is something that we achieve with others, yeah. right? It's not, strictly speaking, an individual good. It's a good that we share, right? right, right. Uh, others right uh i think that that actually is a radical difference between modernity and um the classical approach right modernity thinks of happiness strictly as an individual good right, right. whether you define that in terms of sentiments or in terms of economics it's all about the individual rather than a good that we achieve together right in uh cooperation yeah and a good example of that would be the you know for many today the highest uh, virtue and the thing that needs to be respected above anything else is the a person's autonomy uh, mm-hmm. for them to choose for them to have the ability to choose um, absolutely everything even if it is recognized that it is not good for them that they have right. you know like you know uh, euthanasia or something like that that mm-hmm. they have the you know well. You know, it's for them to decide. No, it's not good for for society for <laughs> members to just right. kill themselves. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. That 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 it's that the political community is is aimed towards um, uh, not not just the protecting the individual goods, but uh, but also understanding like those individual goods are wrapped up within the common good. Or mm-hmm. Uh, um, mm-hmm. you can't. I know you can't reduce the common good to the. Uh, um, uh, indiv- the the collection of the individual goods mm-hmm. um, that the common good is something different, but um, that that the organization of the political community uh, uh, is really aimed at uh, you know like you said it, it, it is that good, and that's why law mm-hmm. you know plays an important part because that's I think sure. that's the other you know when you're talking about the stability of a political organization, I think mm-hmm. law is a huge part of that stability. Uh, that mm-hmm. there's an understanding between all of the members that uh, this is the laws that they're that they're going to follow and this is the laws that sure. are going to guide them. Uh, yeah, but also sure. to have the understanding that that you know law is there for a person's freedom. Um, mm-hmm. That it's that it's not there to you know for the you know the the king to have his thumb or something mm-hmm. like that over its members or something like that. But sure. um, but that it's but that it's the law is there to guide the community towards you know, uh, um, you know, human flourishing, um, that's right. that, you know, right. killing people or stealing their things, uh, does not help a community flourish. Therefore we have that's laws right. against right. them. Yeah. Um, you know, I or even this... like, or even, even when you're talking about, it doesn't even have to necessarily be laws, but even like policies, like, you know, um, an employer should not make his employee work, you know, eight hours, seven days a week. Um, mm-hmm. that there, and again, you know, not that the government can, can, provide or the 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 political community can can provide those higher goods um like you were saying contemplation and eternal beatitude not that they can do that but they can at least create an environment where the human person can seek out uh has the time has the leisure you know it's we've talked about leisure before you know that it that it creates the environment for the person to seek those higher goods yeah yep that's good. Yeah, that's important uh, for sure. Um, and um, uh, I think that yeah, see again, we go back to this so often, Jason. Today, but 
seeing the hierarchy there is really helpful, right? That is that um, uh, that this isn't to the exclusion of higher goods, right? right? We can see that there are things that are better than politics, right? But that doesn't mean that politics is useless, right? Right. Uh, and and importantly here, to use a technical term, this is the the good that we pursue in politics is a bonum honestum. That is, it's a genuine and honorable good. It's not merely useful, and it's not merely pleasant, right? right? It's a it is it's desirable for its own sake. Mm-hmm. Now, it is not a perfect good, right? The perfect, the only perfect good, of course, is eternal beatitude. Right. But it is still a real good, right? right. Um, and in fact, sometimes we can just uh, to 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 be clear, we can call it civic happiness. Mm-hmm. Saint Thomas, and then also some of the uh, Roman philosophers, you know, emphasize that idea, right? That there is this kind of uh, civic, right, virtue and civic happiness, and that that really is a high good, and that is a good that we share with others, right, mm-hmm. uh, in our political community. Okay, so uh, Dr. Smith, what are what are some um, takeaways that we can uh, gain from these these first two principles um, of classical political philosophy? And next time we'll we'll look at um, uh, let's see. Uh, next time we'll look at the common good in, in law and and how okay. those that being the third principle, how those really uh, um, kind of form the three kind of theses or three principles. But what are some takeaways that we can have from these first two here? So uh, uh, I think in general, you could just say modernity is a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) On a positive note. (laughs) Okay. So more positively, uh, if you think about it again, that man is naturally political. So you just think, okay, um, that means that uh, um, politics has a natural end mm-hmm. right and it's neither right nor healthy to ignore it right right so we're not free to ignore it both because just like we're not free to ignore gravity right it'd be bad for us to do that <laughs> and it's also immoral it's contrary to the natural law right so um uh we're in a sense ignoring um even to more deeply ignoring reality right yeah. so you need to remember Politics isn't like even in your own life as a citizen, politics is not whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Politics as a citizen, or let's say that you lived in a monarchy as a subject, uh, it would be your duty to pursue what is the natural end, Mm -hmm. right, of political community, right? So that's, I think, the first thing to remember. Politics isn't just for you to make up whatever you want. Right. As it's, right. Um, Second, that the natural end of political community is the uh, is not every good, right? And I think that's yes. very important. We've talked about this before. Yeah. I think sometimes Christians have an I'll put it, over-realized eschatology <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, want uh, the political community to provide um, the all of the beatitudes or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's that's not the job of politics. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Politics, the political community is, you know, not the kingdom. (laughs) It's not the kingdom of God. Correct. Um, uh, It it may be a real kingdom. Yeah. uh, And it's very important, but it's uh, it is about the the natural end is about active happiness, Mm -hmm. which is the virtuous development, use and exchange of external goods. Right. Right. So that's, I think, pretty clear. Right. Or temporal goods. Um, So that's the natural end. That's what we should be striving for. Is the is that that virtuous uh, development, and then, um, uh, you know, in addition to that, we need to recognize then 
also that um, how important political community is. If mm -hmm. political community, if the goal of political community is a form of happiness, a form of a human actualization, then it is very, very important. And then fourth, the final point, final takeaway, is that um, uh, our happiness and development is not something that we achieve individually. Yeah. It's something that we achieve together in community, in cooperation uh, with each other. So we have the idea, right, that philosophy has a natural end, has a fixed end. We're not free to make it up. Right. Secondly, that 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 natural end is active happiness. Third, um, that uh, that makes the political community very important, mm -hmm. right? Uh, something we should value highly. And then fourth, uh, it means that we need to think of active happiness as something we achieve with others, not simply as individuals. Mm -hmm. I think that's very a lot, good. a lot of guidance. Yeah, and, that's and a, a that's a. About. Yeah, there, there's a lot to take away from, from just uh, looking at those kind of uh, four takeaways and trying to apply them to our current situation. Uh, and the one thing I'll add is the the, the place of the virtues, um, mm -hmm. those cardinal virtues uh, of how important they are in accomplishing all of this, that um, the, the, the establishment, the habitual building up of those virtues, the, 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 the proper exercise of those virtues, uh, is, is going to be essential in accomplishing this. And, you know, those need to be present, not just in individuals in the political community, but also in the principles that the political community and, and laws that the political community, uh, establishes. Um, right that's 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 a hard thing to 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 grasp sometimes you know or it's, <laughs> especially when an entire you know when you know virtue uh is not something that is universally understood the sad part is that it is uh, uh universally real <laughs> that, <laughs> that that again going back to reality that that is how the human person uh will flourish uh and 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 with the application of those virtues for like you said that acquired active happiness that is how the political community will flourish as well. Well, Dr. Smith, uh, you've given us a lot to think about. I think a lot because, and sadly, uh, I think because it's a lot of this is a bit foreign uh, mm -hmm. to us, or at least to our thinking. You know, mm -hmm. because it's naturally we may have some of these inclinations, sure. but we, again, what classical political philosophy does offer us is a clear and organized way to guide our thinking through this. Um, and so I encourage all our listeners to uh, uh, study this more. Uh, Dr. Smith does have uh, several essays and, and blogs uh, up on our website, uh, more about political philosophy. Uh, and so I want to invite our listeners to uh, check us out there at catholicstudiesacademy.com. Until next time, God bless. <laughs>